coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? So... I'm conditioned at the start of all of our shows to kind of go through that like traditional, typical routine that we've been in for what, like four or five years now, but now we have like a legit intro and I'm not exactly sure how to deal with that. I feel useless now. Should I do your impression? Yeah, what's my impression? What, what is what my impression? Of everything you say at the beginning of it. Oh yeah, go through it, yeah. What's up guys? I'm Tyler with the Jory... Oh, nope, messed it up. Oh, not so easy, is it, Charlie? I'll give it one more try. All right, give it your best shot. What's up, guys? I'm Tyler, back with the Glory UGA podcast. Or something along those lines. Well, let let me give you the real take here. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line, well, forever was Curtis on the other end of the line, but whatever, you get the point. But now, like, I guess I'm not doing that anymore. So you guys, I'm sure, are very thrilled to not have to hear me go through that whole spiel at the beginning of every show. So uh, what do you think, Charlie? Was it like, that's pretty pretty cool, right? I'm very thankful, and I feel slightly more Wait, official. Wait, thankful, thank, slightly more official? Like, I feel like completely official now. Well, I mean, I don't ever feel official, so. Oh, uh, okay, Maybe fair enough, little. fair enough. Like, look, guys, I, I know it's pretty, like, we're probably making, this. we're making a huge deal out of, like, nothing. It's, like, pretty standard for podcasts to have something like that. But for like a, I still think it was kind of like a mom and pop shop type podcast. So for me, it's pretty cool. Honestly, when we started this, what, five or however many years ago now, I never thought we'd have anything like that. So, hey, it's pretty cool. It's something, right? Kind of like. You're winning. Am I? I'm moving up in the world. Never won anything in my life. So it's a, it's a new feeling. That's cool. Anyway, uh, I haven't talked to you in a minute here since, but actually before Thanksgiving. So did you, uh, did you enjoy your final weekend of the regular season rivalry week? Yeah, it was great. We got to win. Yeah, we got to win. What about that Auburn-Alabama game? I was screaming at the television. As was I. I was thinking about it, and I was like, I really don't want Gus Malzahn to win because I don't really care for him. But no, you know you want Gus Malzahn. We will do- Kirby will dominate Malzahn no. forever. We need him to stay at Auburn. I mean, You don't I want him to get an ace recruiter in there. No. I just don't like him. Oh, but I no, would neither do Auburn, I, but I like us more than I don't like him. I would rather Auburn win over Alabama. And Nick Saban looked like he was going to have an aneurysm. I think he had like four or five of he them. He may have. Um, I'm, sh- I'm not sure how he survived. It I might, wonder might how much those human. players had to run. Yeah, that was great. Actually, I know, like, look, if, if we lose to, and we'll talk more, I think we have a question about this later on, but if we end up losing the SEC title game, which I'm not conceding at all, but uh, if we lose that game, our options for bowl games are either the Orange Bowl or the Sugar Bowl. And for us to get in the Sugar Bowl, Alabama needed to lose as they take the next highest ranked uh, uh, SEC team. And if we lost to LSU and Bama had beaten Auburn, they would almost certainly have been the highest ranked SEC team outside of uh, LSU and gone to the Sugar Bowl. And I know a lot of people want to go to the Orange Bowl because they haven't gone there in like 60 years. But I, I love New Orleans. It's a really fun town. The Sugar Bowl is a great event to go to. And, and where the stadium is in Miami, like it's in the middle of nowhere. And like, yeah, I guess you can go to South Beach. But like it's just it does it just doesn't do as much for me. So that was another reason I was really strongly pulling for Auburn in that one. But anyway, rivalry week is always a lot of fun. Outside of that, there wasn't really anything too crazy that happened. Well, the egg bowl. Oh, the egg ball. Oh, that was insane. <clears throat> like, oh, and poor Matt. Luke. I, and I, now I he think... got fired. Like, if they had won that game, he probably wouldn't have been fired. 
Yeah, I think he was coming back. Because their AD came out, their new AD came out, like, before that game, earlier in that week, and was like, yeah, Matt Luke's coming back. Well, and, and didn't then one of their players anymore. do something similar, like, unsportsmanlike conduct-ish? Like, yeah, it was a, it was a rec- what receiver was it? Oh, it, was, it wasn't A.J. Brown. It was one of the receivers. Uh, maybe, who was it? It was one of their big-time receivers the past couple Luke years. Was it when Matt was the head coach? I was believe it? it was. And actually, Odell Beckham, I know you don't watch the NFL. I don't watch much, much of the NFL. But Odell Beckham uh, is the guy who did I think he might have started the whole trend in the NFL a couple years back. But, like, regardless, you can – oh, my God, you cannot do that. In that moment. And when, as soon as he did that, they're going to miss this extra point. Watch it. They're going to miss this extra point. And sure enough, they mixed it, missed the extra point and, well, and then might the have sealed Matt Luke's fate. Was, okay, we're going to call an unsportsman – or celebration penalty on the entire Mississippi State bench. Yes. Because they all ran off the bench, yes. right? And then they like all 85 against, players. And then on one Ole Miss player – yeah, it doesn't seem equitable. And they called it offsetting penalties. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't offset. 85 penalties to one penalty. 85 yeah. penalties Well, what should have been 85 penalties. They lumped it in all, all into one big penalty right. for Mississippi State. But yeah. that math just doesn't work. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird, too. But the game was over, regardless. Uh, it was, that was crazy. So, I guess that was that was an awesome game on Thursday. There's no doubt there. A lot of fun to watch that one. But, uh, yeah, it was it was great. Uh, rivalry Week's always kind of like a bitter bittersweet pill for me because, like, it's so much fun to watch those rivalry games. That's what makes college football so great. But then it's like, oh, wow, this is, like, the last true Saturday I wake up and get to watch football, like, from start to finish all day long. So that that uh, that kind of sucks, but it was it was fun while it lasted. And uh, I guess we got another Saturday for here for championship week. Not as many games, but some good games, some big games. But, uh, yeah, so we didn't get to meet up at the Tech game, uh, and I haven't talked to you much since then. I, I want to get your take on this before we get into all the questions. And we will get to all of our mailbag questions here in just a second, guys. I promise you that. But, like, how were you feeling during that game? Like, it was like, and maybe this is totally just me, but I had this kind of, like, really weird feeling in that one. I'm usually, you guys know this. I talk about it a lot, and you know this personally, Charlie. I'm usually, like, an absolute nervous wreck on game day, especially, like, in the stadium. Uh, my season tickets, I will never move my season tickets in Sanford Stadium. I always ask every single year to stay where they are because I'm right on the aisle so I can get up and pace and walk down and back as much as I need to. And I probably, I know I annoy the crap out of people. Like, But when they go TV timeouts, I can't just sit there. I get too nervous. Like, I get up and walk around in the concourse and all that kind of thing. So I'm, a, I'm like a ball of nerves, just a bundle of nerves, like every single game. But like... I was totally at ease in this game. I felt like I was like at a scrimmage. Like I was like I know the second quarter was kind of like weird and like we didn't play one second quarter. But like I never for one second thought, oh my god, we might lose this game. Like I was just completely at ease. Am I crazy or were you kind of feeling that vibe too? I felt that way after we recovered from the muffed punt return. Oh, Blaylock. Yeah, that made me a little nervous. Well, they I was scored a the touchdown there, there for a few minutes. Like you were nervous we were gonna lose the game. I didn't know which way it was going to go, but I always... Like, like I, I was pissed that we were doing... Like, I, I thought we were going to win. I was more upset, like, oh my god, we're going to like we're gonna let Tech hang around, and like we're going to win, but people are going to be screaming that Georgia sucks. Now, when they came again. out in the second quarter, it was fine, but I was also wondering if Pickens was hurt, or if he had the flu, because that was the, the rumor. rumor was that he had the flu, and then I was thinking, oh god, please don't let any of the other players get the flu, because yeah. that could, it could just... Like, but he's on the sideline looking fine, like fully dressed out, which is kind of like, Well, huh. see, I couldn't see that far. I couldn't find yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't find him. But then, you know, he played all of like, I don't know, 11 half a minutes. Quarter. I think a he played 11 quarter. minutes. 11 minutes? He got all... Yeah, guys, he got around the four-minute mark. He got four down minute to mark. like the four-minute mark. Well... Yeah, somewhere around there. So, yeah, I mean, God. I, and when that melee happened, I didn't know. I couldn't see exactly what happened. All I knew was that it was picking side of the ball. And just, I knew this where he was lined up. I was like, oh, my God, please don't tell me he went. 
he went and did something stupid and got himself thrown out because if he got thrown out, he's going to be out for the first half. And sure enough, yeah, that's exactly what happened. They didn't play the replay in the stadium, so you couldn't tell what happened. But then I went back and watched it. And the, 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 why didn't the Tech player get thrown out too? Because they both should have been thrown out. All referees except for our very loyal listener, Josh Stevens, are terrible at their job. I'm just kidding, Josh. We love you. We love all officials. They just drive me crazy sometimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Pickens definitely should have gotten thrown out. He threw, like, multiple but punches. Been but Swilling out, was, I think, more the instigator in the situation. And through at least what I kind of like, what I would call four punches, four swings of some nature, and then Pickens grabs by the face mask and slams Still him into. Still can't slam somebody. Into no, you the Pickens has got to be better than that. There's oh my god, no doubt, and you just he's can't. He's done stuff do like he hasn't that. hit anybody, but he's been making questionable decisions at times. Bad, yeah, poor yeah. decisions all year. He's a young dude, and Kirby's uh, Kirby's trying to coach him up and get him ready. But um, yeah, that was Still frustrating. Hard. It's just taking a while. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But all right, we got a ton of questions to get to. You guys never let us down here, so Charlie. Go ahead and let you take it away. All right. Obviously, most of the questions today are focused on the SEC championship game against LSU this weekend. But we do have one question looking back to last week's win over Tech. So let's start there. Aviation Axe says, I really don't think our offense played too poorly against Tech. There are a few missed throws by Jake Fromm, but for the most part, our offense played well. What's your take, Tyler? Yeah, Axe, really appreciate the question, man. Appreciate the thoughts. Uh, and I'm totally in agreement with you here. And look, like we we had 500 yards of total offense. Guys, we haven't broken 400 yards of offense in like a month. So for us, and I know it's tech. I said that in the preview, on the recap show. I know it's Georgia Tech. I get that. But for our offense, as much as we've been struggling to hit 500 yards against anybody, that's at least a confidence builder. It's a it's a step in the right direction. Jake did miss some throws, as I said in the recap show, uh, early on that game. I think he was pretty sharp later on. I know it was under 50% again for the four straight game, which is never good. You don't want that. But there were a number of balls they threw away, a couple routes that I think were run poorly, a drop here and there, uh, some plays that could have been made. He did miss some throws early on, but I thought overall he played well, played his best game, and in, 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 I guess since the Florida game. And it was really nice to see some guys emerge, some guys that we haven't seen do as much for us offensively, whether it was Tyler Simmons. And, and I'll say it again, I'm just really happy for Tyler Simmons. Happy for us, because when he plays well, that certainly helps us out. But I'm happy for him. He's a guy who's put in the time, put in the work, been a great presence for us, a great leader, a hard worker, does a lot of the dirty work, and has gotten killed on here, on this show included, just but killed by the Georgia fan base for the past year and a half now. And I was really glad to see him uh, have some positive things happen for himself. Good to see a guy like Eli Wolf make a big play. Dominic Blaylock get another touchdown catch. Uh, James Cook getting more involved. All those things. I thought we played well offensively. I thought we ran the ball a lot more effectively, which we should have. If you listen to the, the preview show last week, uh, I laid it out for you guys. Georgia Tech was just god-awful against the run. They had like 119th nationally. So we should have run the ball well, and we did. Saw some more diversity. Saw some different things that we were trying to do. I think some things that we were trying to set up for LSU. Hopefully we'll have some counters off of that stuff. So yeah, I think all all in all, it was a really productive and successful day for us offensively. wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination from Jake, from the receivers, from the line, from the running backs. It wasn't perfect at all. We put the ball on the ground a couple of times. We don't need it. We cannot do that this week. But all in all, I was I was pretty pleased with how we performed offensively against Tech. Okay. With the Tech question deposed of, the rest of the questions today are about the SEC championship game. Let's do it. Or the postseason. So let's dive in. Joshua asks, this week is even more difficult to predict than all the other weeks. What is a good recipe for a UGA win this weekend? Um, if the entire LSU team gets the flu and can't play? No. Um, no, like, look, we can win this football game, guys. Are we going to be the favorite? No. Should we be the favorite? Probably not based on how this season's gone. But 
we absolutely are good enough to win this game. Now, some things have to go our way. I, I want to stop short of saying it has to be like a perfect storm scenario. Like for South Carolina to beat us this year, it had to be like a perfect storm scenario where our best receiver goes down. Uh, we turn the ball over four times, get a pick six, miss a field goal in overtime, just do some ridiculous things. And, and things just happen to magically work out for them. And the football gods are working against us on that one. So I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to go as far as saying that has to happen for us to beat LSU, but we have to play a, a, a clean football game. Uh, what I mean by that is we have got to number one win the turnover battle and we got to win it pretty big like we simply cannot turn the football over that offense as explosive as it is asking our defense to stop them like a, even a couple of times is a difficult proposition so giving them easy easy score setting up short fields that is something that we are I have a difficult time imagining we're gonna be able to recover from with some of the offensive deficiencies that we've shown the past couple of weeks. So we've got to win the tournament battle. We've got to win it big. We cannot turn the ball over. We've got to force some short fields. Maybe get a, a defensive touchdown ourselves. Uh, along the same lines, we have got to hit some big special teams plays. Whether it's a return or whether it's a return, we saw Donovan Blaylock have a couple nice returns against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I know that's Georgia Tech's not LSU. They don't have the same kind of athletes, but at least we, we saw some life there. That's something I spoke of a couple weeks ago. So we gotta hit some big special teams plays ourselves ourselves and we cannot give up big special teams plays to LSU that simply cannot happen again as explosive as that offense is we cannot help them out in any way whether it's giving them easy easy turnovers short fields that kind of thing or big time special team scores can't let it happen can't let it happen be great if you could block a field goal block a or block a punt something like that something we haven't really done this year those kind of things we need to happen and the other thing I would say for us, a recipe for us to win is we've like we're gonna have opportunities on offense to hit some plays down the field. LSU is a team defensively. One of the issues they've had defensively is that they bust a lot. Uh, they have and it's like it's strange to me because that defense is really really talented. They have some in, a, a number of NFL players on that on that defense. Whether it's Grant Delpit, whether it's Christian Fulton, Rashard Lawrence, uh, Kelvin Chason, they have a number of of truly NFL caliber players. But, and they haven't been bad defense. I think a lot's been made of like, like their defensive issues. But they've had some high-profile, like, like what the heck just happened kind of games. Like Ole Miss running the ball for like 400 yards on them. Like that, like what happened there? Uh, but one of the things I've noticed with them is that they do bust a lot in the secondary. Really talented back there, but there's some communication issues. We're going to have some guys that, that I, I feel strongly are going to be running free at times. Not being a man coverage, but because they just let them free and, uh, and blow an assignment. And when those opportunities are presented to us, we have got to hit them. Jake Fromm cannot overthrow a deep shot like that if it's wide open. You know, going back to like the flea flicker, and I know that a little bit was up on picking, slowing down against Texas A&M. He, he's got to hit that. The wheel route against Texas A&M when, when we got a Harry and open down the sideline. We've got to hit those. If we have those opportunities, we have to hit them. If Jake puts all the money, the receivers have to catch the ball, and we've got to score those touchdowns when we get in the red zone. 100%. We cannot settle for field goals against LSU and expect to win this football game. Hell, if we get in the red zone, I'm, I'm all for going on. Four downs. I'm just throwing it, throwing caution in the wind. Let's just go because field goals are not going to win this game. As good as our defense is, LSU is still going to score some points. And I just don't know how many chances with our offense we're going to have to get in those situations. So we got to capitalize on them and just make them count. All right. The next question is from Trevor. He says, personally, I think we are going to need to jam LSU's receivers at the line and be able to get after the quarterback quickly with a four-man pass rush to disrupt Burrow in this LSU offense. What are your two keys we need to focus on defensively to win the game? I don't know. Joe Burrow getting mono or something else, something like some non-lethal virus that would knock him out of this game that he would perfectly recover from? 
But no, in all seriousness, I don't wish anyone any kind of ill will whatsoever. Do not want Burrow or any other player to get sick or anything like that. Actually, if we're going to beat him, I want to beat him at their best. So completely tongue-in-cheek there. Do not mean that. But from like an X and O standpoint, I know Burrow, people don't see him as like a dual threat guy in the vein of like a Justin Fields or something like that. But this guy is more than functionally mobile. And some of the biggest plays he makes in the passing game are when he's able to kind of duck his shoulders when teams try to rush the passer and get out of the rush lanes. He'll kind of duck through that opening, through that gap, and and veer out to the side, scramble out to the side, and let his receivers make plays for him and get open on the scramble drill. And he can hit some big-time plays in those situations. He can also take off and pick up third downs uh, in third and long situations, which, which he's done a number of times throughout the year against Auburn. He did against Florida. He did it against Alabama. He did it. He's got that kind of athleticism. So I think keeping him contained the pocket with a very disciplined pass rush is going to be a very, a very important part of this game defensively and then the other part I think this is going to be absolutely critical is we have got to be able to stop their ground game with our front six we cannot let Clyde Edwards Elaire run wild on us in this game because if that happens we got to bring a safety on the box with the receivers that they have out out wide that's too many receivers that are going to have one-on-one opportunities that are just super talented guys. And I think our secondary is good, but we're not going to win all those battles if we're consistently having to be a man coverage across the board. It's just not going to happen. So we've got to be able to stop the the running game, at least hold them relatively in check on the ground with our front six. And we've done a really good job of that all year long. LSU is a different animal with how they spread you out and how they stress defenses. But if we can do that, I think that gives us at least a, a, a fighting chance in this game. And before we move on to our next question, I do want to quickly remind you guys about our friends at Vivid Seats. If you're still looking for tickets for this weekend's game against LSU in the SEC title game, I'm telling you guys right now, Vivid Seats is 100% hands down the best option out there. They're going to have the best prices, the best selection. I'm telling you from personal experience. I've been using Vivid Seats for years and most recently just used them myself to buy a pair of SEC title tickets. And once again, could not be happier with the process from start to finish. And and maybe the best thing about the entire process is that I felt completely 100% secure the entire time because every single purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. And right now, they've actually started a Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program where you can earn credits back for every single ticket purchase that you make. And they couldn't possibly make it any easier on you guys. You don't have to sign up or do anything like that. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, and they will automatically enroll every single fan in their Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And when you find those perfect tickets and it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, next question is from Alex. Where would you attack LSU's defense? That's a great question, Alex. A very important question. I've been digging in on this one for a couple weeks now since we clinched the SEC East. Uh, and it's tough. Like, again, like I said earlier, LSU's defense has gotten a, a lot of flack over the past couple weeks for not being on par with like, Ohio State's defense. But LSU's defense, it's not bad. Like that, It's a good unit. David Rain is a really good defense coordinator. One of the highest paid defense coordinators in all of America. He's been doing it a long time and doing it at a high level for a really long time. And again, they have a ton of like NFL players on that defense. But they, they have been vulnerable to giving up big plays this year, particularly vulnerable against the pass. Right now, they're 56 nationally against the pass, giving up 221 yards a game. Uh, and on the flip side, they're 28th nationally against the run, giving up 124 yards a game on the ground. So 
their pass defense is their weakness, which is weird to me because when I look at their players and you look at the profile of those players, I think they have the, the most talented aspect of their defense, in my opinion, is their secondary with Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit, Derek Stingley as a true freshman cornerback. That's a talented group of players back there. And their front, uh, front seven, front six is talented, but not nearly to that level. I think their inside linebackers are guys that are good, solid players, but I don't think they're superstars. They're not, they're not the caliber of a guy like Devin White, who was a monster for them in the past couple of years. Uh, they just don't have those kind of guys. Uh, but again, like I said earlier, the reason that they're struggling more against the pass is they're just blowing assignments. There's too many guys running free open uh, down the middle of the field, and that's that's hurt them at times this year. Uh, for example, they've given up 41 pass plays of 20-plus yards in the year. They've also given up 16 pass plays of 30-plus yards. Uh, for comparison's sake, we've only given up seven pass plays of 30-plus yards. Um, but the, So I think that's the, that's the biggest weakness of this defense right now. But my concern is, is I'm not sure we're built to exploit that. Um, I, I don't think that we're going to beat the, the receivers that we're going to have in this game, especially with Pickens being out for the first half and Cager being out for the entire game. I don't know if we're going to be able to beat them in man coverage consistently because I do think guys like Christian Fulton and Derek Stingley are good, very talented cornerbacks. And, I, and they and they make a living, kind of like Bama does, kind of like we do a lot of the time, playing that press man coverage on the outside. And we've seen week in and week out how many issues, how much that has, or how many issues that's created for us in our passing game. So I don't love that. What I would say, what I think is the, the way to do it for us with our players, our personnel, our skill sets, for us to attack this team, what I would do is attack the middle of the field in the passing game. Because uh, what they're going to do, guys, they do this week in and week out. They're going to attack aggressively from the linebacker in safety positions, thinking that they can man up against us on the outside. I think that that mentality is only going to be intensified when they look at our personnel and say, wow, Georgia's really not that good at wide receiver right now. Uh, they like to they like to run the football, so let's let's press the issue. Let's bring some pressure from the inside with inside linebackers. They really like to get Grant Delpit on standard downs, uh, bring him up from that safety position, get him involved in the run game, and they like to bring him a lot. So they're going to attack us in that way. So what I would do to counter that is use a lot of pre-snap motions, shifts, use a variety of formations to scheme ways to get favorable matchups when they do things like that. Get the ball to our running backs, to our tight ends, our slot wide receivers. Get them the ball in the middle of the field and let them make plays. I think that's where we're going to have some chances to really get some chunk plays with how I think, how I anticipate LSU trying to attack us. Uh, and I, one other thing I would say here is is fine. Like if you're looking for a player in the secondary to really try to isolate and attack, it's Kari Vincent. He's a guy that's that's by trade like a nickel defender, uh, kind of like Mark Webb is for us. But he's he got burned quite a bit early in the year, and you saw some last year as well. So what they've done with him now, he still plays that position at times. But on standard downs, like I said, they're bringing Delpit down like more in that role. Where Delpit, if they're playing in a nickel package in their standard sit down situations. They're bringing Delpit down almost like he's playing that star position, and they're sliding Vincent back to play the safety to kind of take him out of some of those coverage responsibilities. Uh, now, when they get in those in the dime packages, he'll come back down. He'll play in the slot. But I think they've recognized like, yeah, he's not the strongest cover guy that we have. So I think if we can find a way to isolate him in some one-on-one situations, scheme a way to make that happen. I know we haven't seen much of that this year, but we can figure out a way to do it in this game. I think we could potentially have some success there, some opportunities, some big plays on the field. And then in the run game, obviously we're going to run the football. That's what we do. I would identify where Calevon Chason is every single play and run right at him over and over and over again. He's a really good pass rusher and a really talented player, but he's undersized. And if you run at him, we're going to be able to have some, I think we're going to be able to get movement against him. And what that also does is it kind of takes his legs away from him. If he has to kind of try to anger against the run down after down after down, that's going to take some of his pass rush ability away, which is really what makes him an outstanding player. So that's certainly how I would try to attack them in the run game.
Okay, next question is from Jamil. Give one key offensive and defensive player that needs to have a great game for us to win the SEC championship on Saturday. Okay, offense, I mean, the obvious answer would be DeAndre Swift has to go off, right? Like, like DeAndre Swift has to be Superman in this game. And Jake Fromm needs to be uh, the best version of Jake Fromm. There's no doubt there. But I'm going to go off the radar. Not necessarily off the radar, but a guy that has been good-ish for us but really hasn't made the impact that we all were hoping he would make to this point in his career. Uh, and that's Demetrius Robertson. With some of the issues we're going to have a receiver in this game with Pickens not playing the first half, Cager being out the entire game, D-Rob is the... To me, he's the he's the biggest threat we have on the field at the wide receiver position. Now, is he the most polished receiver right now? No, he's not. Um, but he he's getting better. He's improving there. But he's a guy who's more of a veteran than some of his other guys. I know he didn't play much last year. We played a lot as a true freshman at Cal. He's played a lot this year. And he's a guy that, in terms of like home run ability, without pickings in the game in the first half, with no cager, I think D-Rob gives us the greatest home run threat in this game in the first half. And I think he's a guy that we're going to have to try talking about trying to get a guy matched up on some of those safeties, some of those linebackers. If we can find a way to get D-Rob matched up on some of those guys in those situations, I think he has a chance to make some plays for this in this game. And that could really loosen things up for guys like DeAndre Swift in the run game. So I'm going to go D-Rob there. Certainly can make an argument for Swift himself and Fromm also. But uh, I don't want to be too obvious. I'll go with D-Rob. And defensively, there's a couple of guys that come to mind for me. The first one I'm going to say is Eric Stokes. I think he needs to have the game of his life in this one. We all know how good those LSU receivers are. You know, you go back, I was going back and, and watching the LSU-Alabama game in preparation uh, for this game and get ready for our shows this week. And uh, they put up a stat, they put up a graphic in that game, and they compared the LSU receivers to the Alabama receivers, like from a production standpoint. And, like, they are neck and neck in yardage and uh, yards per reception and touchdowns. They're, like, right there. And all you hear all year is how great Alabama's receivers are, and they're really good. But LSU's receivers, there might not be as many of them. They not have the numbers. But if you take their top two with Jefferson and, and obviously Jamar Chase and you throw in uh, Terrace Marshall there as well, is also a really talented guy, the number three guy, that's as good of a group as there is in America. There's no doubt in my mind there. So we're going to have a guy like Eric Stokes step up and be able to man up on one of those guys and just play the game of his life. And another guy that comes to mind for me is Tyler Clark. I, we're gonna th- I think we have a question about this later on uh, about – how we attack Joe Burrow and, and how we try to pressure him. I'm not, I know we brought a lot, we, we've really done a good job of bringing pressure, different kind of pressure packages this year. I'm not sure that's the way to attack Joe Burrow in this game. I'm really not. So if that, if we're not going to pressure him in that way consistently, we've got to find a way for our front four to get after him and, and to create some habit back there on their own. So I think a guy like Tyler Clark, who's really come on the second half of this year, I think he needs to provide pressure from the interior. I think we need, he's done a much better job recently of converting uh, from the run to to uh, to the pass rush, which is something that I, I don't think we've done a great job of the past couple of years, but he's done a much better job of that recently. He's become a terror on the interior, and we need to have him just be an absolute monster. He also needs to play the game of his life. And I think he's going to have a chance to because if, you look, if you're looking for a weak link on this LSU defense or this LSU offense, I think it's number one, the offensive line. And in particular, I would say they're offensive guards more than anything. Um, maybe the, the, the center in, in there as well. I think that's the weakest point for this entire, defense, or entire LSU offense. And Tyler Clark playing that three-tech three at, at times, playing that nose guard at, position at, some, at times when we're um, in, the, in our dime packages, I think he's going to have an opportunity to hit some big plays. Okay. Next up, John and Nick have very similar questions, so we're going to group them together. They say, if you could buy stock in one or multiple players that you expect to show up big this weekend after not having a huge impact all season, who would it be? 
It was great to see Simmons and Cook be so productive against Tech. And without Pickens in the first half, we will need some or all of those guys to have key roles. What's your take? Yeah, okay. That's um, Those are two really good questions. Uh, and very you're right, very similar, Charlie. I would say a surprise player. Like, I guess you have to define surprise player. Like what would qualify as a surprise player for different people? I'll say this. I don't expect someone that hasn't really played at all all year to just come off the bench and like miraculously be like the difference maker in this game. Maybe it happens. I just I don't know how realistic it is to expect that. So what I would do, I would define surprise like a guy who's played some this year but hasn't really made the impact that that uh, some people maybe were expecting him to, and it could maybe have a big role in this game. So there's two guys that come to mind here. Number one is Zamir White. You can also throw James Cook in there as well. We saw him get the ball a little bit more. Uh, out there in space against Georgia Tech. So maybe we're, we're going to try to factor him in more into the game plan as well. But uh, it, with Swift's injury concern, and Kirby, you know, Kirby backed off what he said on Saturday. I don't know how much it was gamesmanship, but uh, Saturday after the game uh, against Tech, he said, you know, it was, it was a shorter contusion. We expect him to be fine. And I was like, okay, cool, we're good. But then today, the press conference, he was like, yeah, we, we're hoping he'll be okay. I was like, whoa, that's like... Like it's still not terrible, but like that doesn't sound as promising as what I what, what I heard you say on Saturday after after the game against Tech. So with Swift's injury concern, like Zeus potentially, even if 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 Swift is able to play, you got to imagine we're gonna try to use like he's he's we've got to use him, like, we've got to give him touches, no doubt, but maybe not as many as we have in the past because we wanted to try to to save him and, and not not aggravate that shoulder injury. So maybe a guy like Zeus does get in there and get some more carries than what we've seen in the past. Again, James could be a guy as well that could be more of a factor in the game plan. Another guy that I don't again he's played this year, but maybe hasn't been like a a, a major impact type player. He's made some big plays for us. Uh, maybe not a major impact player consistently game in and game out, is Eli Wolf. I think he could have some chances to make some plays in the passing game off of play action with how aggressive LSU gets on early downs, especially considering how we like to run the football. And we have a lot of success when we go to play action. I would like to actually see us use more play action. We seem to have a lot of success with that when we go to those looks. So I think Eli Wolf, Zeus, maybe James Cook, throw him in there as well. Okay. Jonathan asks, are you buying this offense has a lot of secret plays that we haven't seen this season? Yeah, that's a great question, Jonathan. And if you guys aren't, if you guys didn't see this, you aren't familiar with what he's talking about. I think it was Tyler Simmons today, Monday. Uh, it's kind of a press day, media day, and uh, they sent a couple players out there, select players to to talk to the media. And Simmons got sent out there today, and he was asked about the offense in general. I think one in one of the comments he had, he said was essentially. Uh, yeah, we have a ton of plays that we haven't even run yet, and I'm just we're just waiting for the time to run. It's like, well, okay, well, first off, is that true? And second off, like if it is true, why do we have plays that we think can really help us win games that we didn't run earlier in the year? Like, oh, I don't know, against South Carolina, maybe? I think that's the obvious first question. Like, why didn't that happen? Maybe we didn't have those plays yet. I don't know. Um, or maybe we were just saving them just in case with the, the the SEC title game, which I don't know if I'd necessarily believe that. I don't know. Yeah, are there plays that we haven't run this year? Sure, because, guys, like, you don't go... Uh, into every game the, the way it works like we don't go into every game with the entire playbook at our disposal usually what you have is like you have a limited section of the playbook like you look at the team you're playing you put together a game plan and you sit down with the offensive staff a lot of times you talk to the quarterback as well asking what he likes and 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 uh, what he thinks is going to work against this team that we're playing this week and so you take and that's why you have a, a, a playlist right you see coaches walk around with these little call sheets right little laminated call sheets that is not the entire playbook, okay? Part of that is like the, the scripted series, the first drive or two that are scripted. But then you have like from down and distance. They make new ones for each game. Right, right. So it's, it's game plan specific based on down and distances. Like here's what LSU likes to do on this down and distance. Here are the plays that we have to kind of counter that. So you don't really go in with the entire playbook at your disposal every single game. So yeah, it's certainly possible 
that we have plays in our playbook that we practice in fall camp and going back to spring practice that we haven't used yet, but it doesn't mean we're going to use them in this game. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. I don't know. And, and, and maybe we do have plays that we've just been saving. I don't, I don't know. And I will say we do have uh, advanced scouts. Like we have this kind of bloated, I don't want to say bloated, but we have a very sizable uh, football coaching staff now, not just on-field coaches, but support staff, all that stuff. And all those analysts, what they do is they advance scouts. We've had guys looking at LSU since we clinched, probably even before we clinched, as as detail-oriented as Kirby is, just having those guys get ready just in case we end up playing LSU. And you know that they've scouted them out, and we probably have designed some plays specifically to to work against what LSU does defensively. So, yeah, I I think it's certainly possible. Will we see those plays? How often will we see those plays? I I don't know. I I will just say this. I I would not expect our offense to come out and look like dramatically different than what it's looked all year because at the core – we are who we are, and we're going to do a lot of the same stuff we've done. Now, I do expect us, what I would say is I do expect us to have some counters off of some plays that we have run a lot this year. I think we we showed some different plays against Georgia Tech that we haven't either run in a while or run at all with the express purpose of trying to put that on tape with the idea that we're going to run some counters off of that against LSU, some things that they may not have seen before. I think that is a reasonable way to look at it. Okay. Alexander asks, with Pickens suspended for the first half, do you think we'll see more of Tommy Bush now that he's healthy? Yeah, Alexander, Tommy Bush is a guy that, man, I I was waiting all year for him to get healthy and hoping that he would have a chance to come and make an impact. As, talking about, as I've been talking about all year long, that we don't have receivers. Like with, with Cager out and Pickens uh, still trying to grow up and become a, a complete receiver and become more polished at that position and just become like a, a grown-up dude. Uh, we've, we've had a lot of receivers that are good players but don't really fit what we want to do schematically, what we've done the past couple years with guys like Javon Wims and J.J. Holloman and Riley Ridley. We can throw the ball to them on the outside, whether it's the back shoulder or over the top, they're going to go up and win those 50-50 balls. Karis Jackson, Dominic Blaylock, Tyler Simmons, they aren't necessarily built to do that in the way that those receivers in years past were built to do those things. Tommy Bush, however, is a guy that's built to do those things. He's a bigger, taller, 6'3", 6'4", wide receiver that can go up and win some of those battles. But he had the sports hernia he's been dealing with since the beginning of the year. Apparently, he is now clear. He got into the game against Tech. I think he actually had a catch for like a yard, maybe. Um, but look, if he didn't play in the first half against Georgia Tech when Cager wasn't in there and when when uh, Pickens was suspended, I have a hard time believing that he's going to factor much into this game. Because if he was going to be a factor down the stretch, I have to believe like Tech would have been the game to get him involved in. Right, Charlie? Yeah, I agree. Like that—that that would have been the game to get him involved and get him some confidence. Yeah, he got in late, but sparingly. He wasn't a factor when the game was still relatively in doubt. Because I don't know if it was ever really in doubt, even when the ball was just first kicked off. But so yeah, I, I would not expect him to be a major factor in this game. Now, if there's an injury or something like that, sure he can come in and, and, and play a little bit. But I think you're going to see. Tyler Simmons, I think you're going to see Dominic Blaylock, I think you're going to see Demetrius Robertson, I think you're going to see Matt Landers before you would see Tommy Bush. Okay. Next up, Meme Machine says, we need to execute sustained offensive drives to keep LSU's offense off the field. With the possibility of Swift being sore and limited, do you think we finally unleash Cook and Zeus in a ground-based attack on Saturday? It would take some pressure off of Fromm as well. Uh, I think it's a very strong possibility. Will our attack be ground-based? I actually think we're going to try to open up and throw the football, so much I know is counterintuitive with some of the injuries and issues, suspensions we're having wide receiver and, and how, talented, how talented LSU is in the secondary. But 
I, I think we're going to throw the kitchen sink at them. I really do believe that. And we're going to take some shots down the field. I think we're going to throw on early downs. We saw that against Alabama last year, and it worked. So I know it's a different team. We have different players. It's a different defense we're facing. But uh, I do expect that. So I don't know if it'll be a – I mean, we're going to run the football. That's what we do. But I think we're also going to throw the football. So I, don't think, I don't think you're going to see Jake Fromm throw the football like 20 times in this game. I just don't see that at all. But I do think that James Cook and Zamir White could be factors in this game. I think that's a very strong possibility. You saw us try to get James Cook more involved in the in the offense a little bit last week. I think we did that with the idea of, number one, just getting our playmakers the ball, especially with Cager out and picking suspended in the first half. But I do think there was a, a thought in mind there that we're trying to set stuff up for LSU in this game, like where we're gonna we're gonna show some stuff on tape, like I said, and then run some counters, run some constraint plays off of that stuff. We saw you saw us do that kind of in game against Georgia Tech. So I'm curious and, and excited even to see what we might have up our sleeves in this game. We'll see, I, and maybe it'll be the exact same offense we've seen the entire year. I I, I cannot can discount that possibility. In fact, that might even be more realistic than anything else. But I do think there's a chance we come out and, and run some stuff that we have not seen before. Okay, I like Jamil's question coming up. It says, if you could interview Kirby Smart at the press conference for the SEC championship game, what question would you ask him? Oh, God. One what, question. What question would I ask Kirby Smart? Boxers or briefs? Oh, uh, my No, no, really? definitely not. Uh, uh, man, what would I say? I, you know what? I would ask. I think the big talking point all year long has been the offense, right? So, and there's been speculation about what we're going to do in the, in the offseason to change our, our offensive scheme. Are we going to do anything? Are we going to change coordinators? Uh, I would certainly ask him some about the offense. I would ask him about the scheme. Like, do you think something along the lines like, do you think that the scheme that we run in the in modern in the modern era of football is a is a scheme that's going to consistently win championships? And then Kirby's really good at kind of skirting questions and like he's a politician. He answers oh, yeah. the question he wants to answer. Oh, that that's that's the exact right way to put it. There's no doubt there. Um, I also might ask him, like, if we're playing LSU, like, I would say something like, hey, Kirby, so seeing the impact that Joe Brady is having the LSU offense and transforming what they do offensively from a pro-style offense to a to the offense that's one of the top offenses in all of America, would you be open to making similar changes to your offense in the future? I would ask him something like that. Now, again, he probably wouldn't answer the question, or he would probably say something like, well, you know, we do a lot of stuff LSU does. You know, we just don't have the same type of players right now. And it's like, well, I thought we recruited at a top three level every year. So we should have players like that, shouldn't we? Um, but yeah, I, I would ask him something like that. And like, and for me, just from like a pure curiosity standpoint, it's probably, and the SEC Championship game probably would not be the time to ask it, but as great a recruiter as Kirby is, I would love to kind of just get inside his head and ask him like, hey man, like when you're out on the recruiting show and you're trying to figure out who you want to offer and who you're really going to target, like how much do intangible factors play into it? Like how much do you look at that? Or is it just based on like the skills that they bring to the table? Or like how deep do you dig on these guys? Like a personality standpoint from like, are you a winner? Like, are you committed? Are you a disciplined, that kind of guy? Are you a hard worker? That kind of thing, your character stuff. Like how much does that factor in to the equation when you're recruiting some of these guys? Because you see it year in, year out. Like Britton Cox, for example, right? Super talented player, but just an attitude problem, right? So and even Kirby himself has had some issues with some of those guys, and he's trying to clean up our program a, a little bit, you know, since he's gotten the job. But, like, how much do things like that factor into the equation when you're going out trying to figure out who you're targeting on the recruiting trail? That's just something I'm very curious about, just All personally. Right. All right, Josh says, bottom line, if Fromm doesn't get his head straight, we probably can't win as a one-dimensional offense. Opinions, comments, uh, questions. Bingo. Yeah, I, I 100%, 100% agree with Josh there. Um, and I, I said this, I've said this for the past week or two since we clinched. Like, we're not going to win this game without the best version of Jake Fromm. And Jake Fromm is not, and I, look, you guys know, 
admittedly, I am the president of the J. Fromm Fan Club, as you guys all well know. Hey, I'm the co-president. Are you now? Well, I don't... Did I give you that title? Oh, wow. Trying to pull rank now. Well, when you're the president, you get to decide who comes and goes, right? Okay, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. But, uh, look, you guys know I'm a big J. Fromm guy, but... I also try to be as objective as possible, and I will readily admit that he has not played to the standard he has set for himself over the past, really, month since the Florida game. I thought he showed positive signs against Tech and kind of getting that confidence back. And I don't think it's all him. You guys know that. I don't want to go too far into the whole Fromm debate right now because we've talked about that ad nauseum seemingly like, seemingly like every week for the past, I don't know, month or so. And I know you guys are probably tired of hearing about that, but I think it's a combination of things. Yes, some of it is Fromm, some of it's the receiver, some of it's the scheme, all that kind of stuff. But bottom line, you're right, Josh. If we do not get the best version of Jake Fromm, which we haven't seen in, in, a, in, a, in a bit here, then it's going to be—it's hard for me to imagine that we're going to be able to win this football game. Now, if we get the best version of Jake Fromm, if we, if we get the Jake Fromm that we saw for the first three quarters against Alabama in the SEC title game last year, oh yeah, we can win this football game. Oh yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get that. We have different receivers, uh, different scheme, different guys going. Especially if Swift's not healthy, we'll see. But if we get that version and Jake's on, then oh yeah, we're going to have a chance. Now, without that. I don't know how much of a chance we're going to have, so I think I agree with Josh there. Okay, only two questions left. Seth asks, what do you think the fan base numbers will be like inside Mercedes-Benz on Saturday? Okay, yeah. So this is an interesting question. You know, you would think LSU, I don't think they've been in the SEC title game since, what, 2011? Is that right, Charlie? 2011? I something like that. Yeah, I, think, I want to say it's 2011, last time. That's when they had the Honey Badger there. Uh, we actually played that, that year is the year. We, if you guys remember, we lost the first two games of the year, lost to Boise State. I think to South Carolina, maybe, also to open that season. And then we run the table the rest of the way into the SEC title game and, and lose to LSU in that game. We weren't too competitive in that one. But I don't think they've been back since then. So if you look at it from that perspective, you say, well, they haven't been there in a while. This is the best season they've had in a long time. They're hyped up. They're going to show up. They're going to buy those tickets. But I would say, ooh, wait a minute on that. Because number one, well, they're probably saving their money for exactly. playoffs. Exactly. You and I went through this two years ago, Charlie, right? Yeah. SEC title game tickets against Auburn in 2017, Rose Bowl tickets, and then shelling out untold amounts of cash. It was a very expensive year. Expensive, like, month, month. there. Month. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. like, insanity. Uh, but it was totally worth it. I mean, it, even though we lost, it was it was, it was was incredible. Like, going to the Rose Bowl was, was awesome. But that was a lot of money, right? And so now like, I've had to start budgeting. My wife and I, we start to budget now like with that in mind. Like, what if we go to the playoffs? Like, we've got we've to gotta have this ready. Um, so I think LSU fans, because like, right now, like, would you agree with me, Charlie? Like, no matter what happens in this game, they're in the playoff. If they lose, they're still in. I mean, I would say yes, but you never know what the committee will do. I like uh, so if they uh, unless if we blew the doors off and beat them by fifty, but is that gonna happen? Like no, I don't, I'm just saying you never know. I, you never know. I guess you're right, but I still think I strongly believe they would still be. In. I don't. Yeah. I think a, a one loss LSU team that loses to the number fourteen in the country is gonna get over a one loss um, Utah team or a one loss yeah. Oklahoma team. In my opinion, I could be wrong there. Now they how much are they gonna factor in conference championships? They just do what they want every year. Who knows? Like you're right about that. But I still think they're going to be in. So I think what they're saying is like, well, you know, like even if we lose this game, we're still going to be in the playoffs. Let's save our money for whatever game we're going to go to. And oh, by the way, we might have to come back to the Peach Bowl in a month. So do we want to make two trips to the same city within that short time frame? Uh, So I think that factors into it. So and the fact that it's in Atlanta, and if also if you look at the secondary market right now, if you look at StubHub, if you look at Vivid Seats, our good friends at Vivid Seats, our Ticketmaster, wherever you're looking. The tickets right now for the, the the Western Division side 
are about 100 to 150 dollars cheaper per ticket than the tickets on the on the Eastern Division side. What that tells me is there's a higher demand, right? I'm not good at math, but I'm pretty good at, at, at econ, right? So like yeah. supply and demand, they would tell me there's more people from the Georgia fan base, from the Eastern Division team well, that want local. to be in the... it takes, you know, some right. people three hours to get to Atlanta. So, sure. yeah, they're going to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that... You don't have to necessarily pay for... You know, you're not going to have to pay for a flight or... Yeah, we're You're not going to have to drive eight hours if you're mm-hmm. coming from Baton Rouge. You're not going to... You don't even have to stay overnight. So, yeah, you might spend a little bit more on tickets if you're a Georgia fan in But you still Georgia. come out way ahead. But yeah, you're yeah. you're not spending as much as you could. So what, what do you do? You agree with me that there'll be more Georgia fans in that stadium? I think there will be because it's in Atlanta. So what would you say? Like, give me a percentage. I think like sixty forty. I don't think it'll be that far off because I like you said LSU hasn't been there in forever. So I think sixty forty is probably. I think at least sixty forty. I would not be shocked at like a seventy thirty ish split. I really wouldn't. If you look at the secondary market, what those prices are going for, LSU fans. Feel strongly no matter what happens in this game, they're in the playoff. They're going to save their money for those games, what they think are more important games. And you're like you said, we're here in Atlanta. And they, but still, their thirty may be louder than our seventy. Drunker. They are loud. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but we're like we've we've got a pretty loud. Like, you've been in the in the state in the past, and Mercedes been the past two years. Yeah, but LSU fans, they're they're a different breed. They're insane, but like don't sell our guy. We're we, we've we've come a long ways to famous. I, I wouldn't sell our our guys short. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I would certainly say that it'd be more Georgia fans, and I mean sixty four. I think you're you're probably right there, Charlie. But I wouldn't be shocked again to see maybe like a seventy thirty ish split. Wouldn't shock me at all. All right, is that it? Or we have another one. One more question. Our right. final question is about the bowl season. What do you think our most likely bowl destination is right now? You touched on this a little bit more, but. Peach Bowl. We're going to the Peach Bowl. We're going to the playoff, baby. Uh, No, uh, I'm not ready to say that yet. Uh, I don't want to knock on wood. I don't want to go there yet. Okay, let's say it it does depend. Like if we, okay, let's first start here. Do a couple different scenarios. If we lose to LSU, as everyone's predicting us to do, as I kind of laid out earlier, now that Bama lost to Auburn, I'm very curious to see how far Bama drops in the college football playoff rankings that come out on Tuesday. Because if they drop behind Oklahoma, they drop behind Utah. I'm curious if they drop behind Florida, right? Because Florida and Bama now both have two losses. Florida beat Auburn, who Bama just lost to, okay? So I'm curious, and especially with Tua out, are they going to factor that in? Because if Florida is ranked ahead of Alabama in, in this week's college football playoff rankings, I do not believe that Bama, even if we lose to LSU, I don't think Bama's going to jump us. And I don't think the committee will put us behind Florida because we'll both have two losses and we beat Florida head-to-head. So even if we lose, now that Bama's lost to Auburn, I think we're going to go to the Sugar Bowl because contractually, the Sugar Bowl has to take the highest-ranked SEC football team. And if the highest-ranked team, which could, would be LSU if we lose, goes to the playoff, then the, then the Sugar Bowl, by contract, they don't get to pick who they want. According to the contract, they have to take the next highest ranked SEC team in the college playoff rankings, which I still think will be us. So I think we're going to go to the Sugar Bowl if we lose this game. There's an outside shot, depending on how far we drop, that we, go, that we would go to the Orange Bowl. But I feel strongly that it's going to be the Sugar Bowl. Now, if we win this game somehow, again, knock on wood, if we somehow win this game, I think that we would end up with the number three ranking in the college football playoff. I don't think Ohio State's going to lose. I don't think they're dropping. They're going to be number one. I think if Clemson's going to win, I think they'll be number two. If we win, I think LSU's still in. I think LSU drops number four. And so what that would do would have us matched up against Clemson uh, as the number two versus number three seeds, and then you have Ohio State versus LSU. I don't think Ohio, Ohio State is number one seed. We get to pick what they, what they want to play in Glendale, Arizona. They're going to play in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl. So I don't think that they are going. Ohio State would want to play LSU in an SEC town. I know it's not Baton Rouge, but it's an SEC city, right? 
I don't think they're going to want to play LSU in Atlanta in that scenario. I think they would rather play them out in Glendale, which then means if we were in there and we're playing Clemson in the 2-3 matchup, that we would play Clemson in the Peach Bowl. That would be my prediction if we win. Uh, again, probably not likely that we're going to win, but it's still a possibility, so I'll throw that out there. But I think the most likely destination for us right now, if you're trying to make holiday plans, in my opinion, would be the Sugar Bowl. And um, look, obviously I want to be in the college playoff, but short of the college playoff, and I know we were just there. But the Sugar Bowl is such a fun time, and I love New Orleans. I know you don't really necessarily love New Orleans. You call it dirty, which it is. It is. Well, bourbon, all that New bourbon Year's. Bourbon Street. Yeah. Yeah, you're not into New You're not a New I mean, Year's the person. the district is really nice. Great food, great food. Yes, great Bars. Food. It's a good time. Good food, for sure. Like, you're not out late anyway. You go to bed, what, like, no. 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Like Okay, no, 9.30. Oh, yeah, exactly. So much fun. So, like, you're not out to see all the debauchery anyway. I mean, I am because my husband likes to stay up and go out. And what a loser. What FOMO. a loser. He has FOMO, whereas I am very happy to. just don't care. Yeah. Anyway. So, out. yeah, I think I, I would say odds are right now would probably I'd put the money on uh, on New Orleans. So, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong many times again. But, uh, all right, guys. Thanks for all the questions. We really, really do appreciate it. We'll be back later in the week with... Our full preview of the SEC Championship game. Get you guys ready for everything that's going to happen on Saturday. But thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>